Everyone's a fruit and a nutcase. It keeps you going when you cross the Happy Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Museum of Comedy podcast. This week's guest, yeah. presented by the Museum of Comedy, okay. and Robert Ross, oh, is okay. Christopher now, um, For those of uh, lucky to have to be in the audience today, um, we just watched an episode of In Loving Memory with you and Thora Hurd. Uh, probably seen a bit too much of you, actually, for any, anybody's liking. Would you, would you like That's to... a bum thing to say. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Would you like to uh, remember anything from that particular episode? Well, it all came flooding back, uh, as, they, as they do when you get to my age, and you can't remember. Oh, yeah, that did happen. But one thing I do remember was the, the bit where Thora put the line in without anyone knowing. And that's one is she, she, she opens the door and says, Oh, Billy, love, why does it always happen to you? Shuts the door again. And it's me best, jelly mould and all. <laughs> and no one knew, and they had to retake it because the audience just fell apart. <laughs> But um, no, it's 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 uh, it's interesting. I think I think it still stands up. It does indeed. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And you can buy the complete series on DVD from Network. So uh, it's always there in the archives forevermore now. Who would be fool yeah. enough to buy it? Anybody. Well, I've, I've, I've bought it. I got a copy. Um, we'll, we'll go back to that series. Obviously, it's it's, it's probably your your finest uh, comedy series. Um, but um, the dancing that that was how you started, really, wasn't it? You, you were oh like yes, a, yes. The original Billy Elliot, I suppose. Yes, yes, the Wayne Sleep of the world. Uh, no, I started off, in fact, my driver knew more about my life than I did. Um, but he said, you started the Ballet Rombe. And uh, yes, I did. And it was uh, a million years ago. And uh, they did a production at the uh, Mercury Theatre. And um, I was picked out to go for an audition for the Grove family, um, which I got. And then that was, that's history. The Grove family was the first ever TV soap opera, uh, as they didn't know what they were in those days. But it used to be a weekly live, half an hour, all about this boring family in, just after the war. But it was, had a huge, huge following. And I diversed from acting, uh, from dancing to acting. But it was originally thought that I was going to go to uh, the Sadler's Wells, mm. on pre-Sadler's Wells, to be a ballet dancer. So how did the Grove family come around then? That was just... The Grove family, just, just to go for an audition, the BBC would ring up uh, the various schools. There was Ada Foster, um, Arts Educational, which I went to, and various other ones. And they'd ring up the school agents and say, we're casting for a boy of four, uh, 14 or something like that, and uh, can you send someone along? And I used to go along and I used to see them all. I used to Michael Crawford's of the world and, uh, oh, bless him, uh, from Robin's Nest. Richard O'Sullivan. Richard O'Sullivan. Yeah, yeah. We used to pull faces at each other across it, and we've all grown up together. And that's how it, it was more luck than talent because they weren't teaching it in those days. See, you always had modest, you see. But, um, <laughs> but you, you were Lenny Grove for three and a half years, weren't you? And, three and a half years, Lenny Grove, yes, brought me to a certain amount of notoriety. Uh, I was uh, 15, 16 when it finished uh, because ITV started up by that time. And. Um, the competition was just a curious one at the time. But, it, it, no, it's been a great life. <laughs> but for those, obviously, it's for the nature of, the, of that early television, there's only a, a few episodes in the archives of the Grove family. Can you give us an idea of what it was about and, and, and the dynamic? Oh, it was high, high, yeah, high, high uh, drama. It was all about um, everyday mundane things that people in those days, just after the war, uh, had to come to live with as standard. And there was one particular episode where... Uh, well, there were two that spring to mind. One was uh, so obviously, it was all terribly hammy acting going on, but all about, uh, have you got proper locks on your windows and doors, you know, because uh, there are people around. Uh, what people are you meaning about, Dad? The one with the swag on his back. And, <laughs> and, you, you know, keep your, and the other one was a dog license. In those days, you had to have a dog license. And we had, John Warrington uh, was the director on, on uh, the Grove family, and um, he, he was going to supply the dog who needed a, 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 a license. But the dog died the day before <laughs> they were going to shoot it. So we had to have this stage weight full of sand, <laughs> dragging it around saying, here's a good girl. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, if he went slack, he went <laughs> on the f But those are the sort of things. And, and, and you know, 
live television. Uh, I say I, I, I'm a great advocate of, of live television mm. because uh, spontaneity is an important part. And you, th I'm sitting in the the, the, the home of, of uh, impromptu work. Not doing too well either. <laughs> You're doing very well. But when you're at that age, 14, 15, you must have been, were you quite fearless as an actor? You didn't know really what, 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 you know, well, it beat going to school. Yeah, okay, yeah. And you're being but, paid for it. But, yeah. yeah. But no, it, it was, it's quite strange because I've never ever said I want to be an actor. It just happened through the dancing, through the ballet rumba, and then through the school itself, then getting auditions. And 90% of my, my work, I'm not, De dec decrying it, but 90% of the work is being in the right place at the right time for something right to happen. Um, obviously, you've got to be able to produce the goods when it, the, to their requirement, but this quite often is very soul-destroying because quite often you, you say, can we go again? And they say, no, no, it's time, love, we're fighting, we're fighting the daylight, you know. But I'm, I'm, I already screwed that scene up, I'd like to do it again. No, 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 you're all right. Uh, the, the soaps are the ones for that. Emmerdale and Coronation <coughs> Street um, uh, and uh, East Enders. Uh, they're machines. I'm not knocking them, but, you know, <coughs> artistic-wise, they, they do fabulous, fabulous jobs. But there's under so much pressure, whereas in those days, it wasn't. Mm. But I mean, obviously that was live, but, but now television is there forever, isn't it? So if you do make a mistake, it's, it's another 40 years' time, it's going to be watched again. Oh, that's and right. You can't go back and change it. No, but, um, no. But the, the Grove family was at one point being watched by a quarter of the population of the country, and that was a huge audience. I mean, did it, did it change your life? Were you mobbed in the streets by teenage girls or something? <laughs> <laughs> or was that last night? <laughs> you always say the right thing. Um, no, it, it brought a certain amount of notoriety, but more... To my elders, the people who played my parents, uh, not so much the children. I did have one opportunity to go to the Isle of Wight uh, and open a home for um, clinically insane people. <laughs> and they let you out. <laughs> and they still didn't me, yeah, yeah. But um, no, it's a certain amount of notoriety, but it, it, was, it was nice to see and still do your name up in print. Mm. It means nothing to anyone else. But uh, you see it up there and you think, yeah, I mean, uh, the first time I worked, the first and only time I ever worked in the West, in the West, in the West End at the Lyric Theatre and I uh, saw my name outside the theatre in Shaftesbury Avenue. And that was a great kick. But, you know, hey, um, I can remember the first time I see my name with Thora Heard. It was Thora Heard and Christopher Beanie. And I thought, I've made it. <laughs> but... Uh, it, they soon forgets. It's it's one of those things. It, it's a th it's a machine that moves on, and the talent nowadays is is enormous. It really is. But you you were, you went from one job to the next, really, didn't you? I mean, once once the Grove family came to an end, you then went back to school. You went to dr uh, drama school, Rada, didn't you? After that, to Rada. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was it a blessing and a curse because having been in a successful television show then to go back to school? Well, I'd done quite a bit by the time I'd got to RADA mm -hmm. and uh, the, the principal, John Fernall, the actor, um, <clears throat> offer, uh, I was offered a, a, a course in acting and all this, and I went to him at one point and I said, can we have a talk because I think I'm wasting your, my, my money and your time. And he said, well, you have done a lot. He said, you know, you want to do something that you haven't really done before, stage management. So I went into directing and lighting and stage construction and uh, props and whatever. I did that for two years at the Vanbrugh Theatre. And, uh, yeah, that was another feather to, feather to my cap. But um, it's just one of those situations where I don't want to be a tree. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I, I can I can individualise anything, but I don't, don't have to be taught by a expert um, student teacher how to be a tree or a log, or what a you know what an animal an animal would say if you if it given the power of speech. You know, invent, invent. But. Um, what was the question? <laughs> just, just whether, whether you, you answered it, whether, you know, having been an actor for so long to go back to school that you, that you sort of knew it all, really? Or... Oh, no, no, no. You can, you can never uh, uh, say I've, no, I've known it all. I'm, I'm always a bit wary about people that say they're 
you know, I say to them, are you, are you nervous, a bit keyed up about going on tonight? No, 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 I never get keyed up, you just go on and do the job. And, you know, usually those people have nothing to offer. I don't want to speak out of turn, but uh, I saw an interview a couple of weeks ago with uh, uh, Laurence Olivier, and he, he, he used to start doubting himself, and then he had to wipe it clean and start again. You know, because if you start self-doubting, and who are you going to turn to who knows better than you or more experienced than you? Yeah, absolutely. It's an unnatural thing to go onto stage and actually talk to complete strangers and every night after night, isn't it? I mean, if you don't get oh, yeah. to doing that, then you yeah, need to be yeah. a little bit odd. My um, most amazing going to talk to people I had no idea of was, was the, uh, the Palace Theatre Manchester doing Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. Uh, the full-blown musical and me singing... But anyway, uh, we did a, a, a Wednesday matinee to 32 people, and it seats just under 3,000. <laughs> but that performance has still got to be the same as if it's a full house. Of course, yeah. And you're Why playing... are you leaving? <laughs> <laughs> you, you were playing Little Chap, the uh, newly part. Little, little Chap, yeah. yes. Fantastic. Thank you. You're losing me. That's all right. Thanks, Simon. Simon. Please, everybody, Simon. Yeah. He, he pops in for the cameo occasionally. Um, no, but uh, that's, a, that's a great part. But, I mean, obviously, you, 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 were you not uh, at ease being a song and dance man then? You, you, that wasn't your forte as such? No. Uh, it's, it, I gave this a lot of thought quite recently, why it didn't work. Because if you get to a certain standard, I, I think, I don't know for certain, but I think that if you get to a certain standard, they say, come on, offer him so-and-so's job. You know, he'd be, he'd be different, but, you know, little chap, I don't know, do you know the show? Stop the World, I Want to Get Off? About a circus. Um, give, it, give it to Beanie. You know, he, he, he's known, he's a name, and he'll give it, you know, but compared to the West End shows for nowadays, oh, non-starter. And, you know, you, you can't... You... <laughs> You can't say this is the definitive way of doing it. No, exactly. But you did uh, Scapino as well, the, the, Scapino, the, the Jim Dale part. Jim Dale, yeah, yeah. Which is another tough musical to do. Yeah, why, why give them to me? I just want the easy ones. Well, you must ones. be good. I'm, I'm, you know, I, never, I never saw you do them, unfortunately. I'll, I'll, but, so. I'll be Zebedee. In, in. <laughs> and Fagin, you did Fagin in Oliver Dale. Now, that I did enjoy. Yes. Because yeah. I could get outrageous with that. Because Oliver! <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, come email boy. <laughs> but it was, no, that was great. I really did enjoy that. I can't fault that at all. But I, I wouldn't want to do it again now, because okay. people would say, "Oh, and it's rubbish compared to your first one." Get off. And I go. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Whole new audience, though. You know. Yeah. Actually, if somebody just asked me today whether you could come back. No, I'm doing that. Um, but um, so let's go back to when you were a, a child actor. You did quite a lot of films when that time as well. You did a, a thing called uh, The Long Memory with John Mills, which is a cool, yes. great film. But isn't it ironic when you look back on your life and the recordings and, and copies of the things that you've got, mm. and you think, oh, I work with. I mean, I work with Thora Heard without realising it. Not not Thora Heard. Um, Peter Salas. Well, I did work with Thora Heard. I, I didn't work with her, but she was in, in Loving Memory. In, in, no, in The Long Memory. Yes, yeah. Um, and Salas was in uh, Charles Play. And he was in Charles Play. And it was Peter Salas' first film. It's a film I did for the British Film Foundation, Children's Film Foundation, in 19, frozen to death. <laughs> and um, it was uh, just a, a, a light-hearted um, joke about a gang of children who made the atom bomb. And uh, Peter Salas was a, a bread delivery driver of, of the van. And every time I used to see him, I used to say, bread. I'm not going to get you. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it, you, you re-meet in various other things. A lot of people are under the impression that, you know, we're great buddies, well, we are. But you, I could work on a movie, and I have done in the past, uh, and not met the person who's in the next scene. Because you only do what you're required to do to, to be get it edited together. And if you're opposite whoever, John Mills, although we were in the same film together, we weren't together together. Although, on that particular one, I did have a scene with him. Yeah, yes, did, I did. Yeah. Oh, shit, you get it and your, and your mother was Elizabeth Sellers, wasn't she? John McCallum and Elizabeth yeah. Sellers, and, and uh, what was his name? 
John Mills. John Mills. Yes. And the director, <laughs> director Robert Hamer, who's one of the oh uh, yes forgotten hero really because he, yeah. he he was uh, was liked liked a tipple or two did Robert Hamer, but a wonderful director. Well, I was only an eight year old. Yeah, you weren't drinking at that time. No, <laughs> but, um, but I mean, I mean, how did it work? I mean, I mean did you have an age in those days? Obviously, you had a chaperone, I, I guess, on 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 the set. Of uh, chaperone. Mm. There is one here tonight. Is it? Well, loosely connected. Okay. Avril Gaynor, whose mother was my chaperone. Oh, wow, OK. On yeah. some of the early movies I, I was in. Fantastic. So, is, or is she gone? Yes, yeah. I thought she might have got out in the interval. <laughs> no, we locked the doors, Chris. They were no one um, So, I mean, you, you were just caught up and, and, and you went along. I mean, as I said before, were you fearless in, in those days? Because you, you... No, it beat, did beat sitting in class, mm. you know, doing arithmetic mm. and whatever. I was basically uh, lazy when it came to education. You know, there were far better things to do. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just curious the way it, it works. You think, we used to get, with Avril's mum, uh, used to get bunched together on, the, on a train or, or, a, or a bus, mm. go and see the people, and we'd all be sitting there playing, pulling each other's hair and whatever. So right now, I've, I've never actually read for, for one as a child. Normally, now that they, nowadays they send you the script and you go and do an audition piece in front. But uh, I've never actually had that. Even with the Grow family, that was casting for the whole family. It took nearly six months. And I had three different auditions. And then it was huge splash out about uh, the Grow family being put together to come and tell you how to live your life <laughs> after the war. But it, it was quite... A, no, they're, they're milestones. Yeah. There was, a, there was a feature film version, wasn't there, called It's a Great Day of the Grove Family. Yes, with Vera Day. With Vera Day and Sid James. And Sid James. Yeah, which is... Uh, I've worked with Sid before on Taxi as well. That's right, yeah. They were all lost, unfortunately. There's only one episode left in the vault really? of Taxi. Yeah, yours is... It's still waiting to be found somewhere. <laughs> so if, you, if you've got it in your shed, let me know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so, I mean... Uh, and so the, the Grove family, your brother was played by uh, Peter Bryant, wasn't it? Peter he, Bryant. He went on to be a producer. Did he ever yes. come back and give you a job? No. Did no, he? no, no. <laughs> nice family. So there's well. loyalty for you. <laughs> no, he, he directed some Doctor Who, I understand. He produced Doctor Who, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and lots of other stuff in the 70s and 60s, yeah. yeah. And I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know how many of them are left. I, I've got a feeling I'm the only one. I think you are. Granny Grove's gone, isn't she? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, was the, she was the first to go, Granny Grove. I'll tell you what, do you remember in, in Upstairs, Downstairs, there was Patsy Smart, mm. who played Miss Roberts? Well, she was married to John Warrington, who was the director okay. of uh, yeah. the Grove family. It all comes and, around. And it all comes around. And uh, the Pertwee family, uh, the Grove family was written by the Pertwee family. Roland and Michael, wasn't it? Roland and Michael. I've uh, never worked out what yeah. they are. They, yeah, they were... Roland was the dad, and Michael is cousin? John Pertwee's brother, and I think there's another one, isn't there, that's a cousin. Bill Pertwee's Bill cousin. Pertwee, yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's all, yeah. It's all interlocking. Yes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and was, the Grove family, again, was, was almost given, well, was definitely given royal approval because the Queen Mother was a, a fan. And she oh, God, saying, did I get into trouble there? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Bang goes the knighthood. Okay. We were in Studio H, the studios are gone now, but Studio H, Lime Grove Studios, and uh, it was the royal visit by the Queen Mum, and the whole place was on the high tension, security and whatever, you know. And they said, she's coming, she's coming. And I, I broke ranks, and, uh, yeah, she's on her way down! <laughs> <laughs> or words to that effect. <laughs> And, the, and, the, and the, everyone jumped on me and said, shut up! <laughs> well, what have I done wrong? You know. But she was, you know, pleasant. She was a fan. She, yeah, she was a fan, yeah. And you also popped up in, in character as Lenny Grover in Norman Wisdom film, Man of the Moment as well. The only time I've worked with Norman Wisdom. And there's moments, I don't know if it's me, but in, in your performance of Billy Hart, um, Henshaw in, in Love and Memory, there's, there's quite bits of Norman Wisdom, I think, in some of the facial expressions. Uh, yeah, and Charlie Chaplin as well. Chaplin as well, yeah. I've yeah. Been a, a, so what was Wisdom like to work with? Briefly. Briefly? <laughs> it, was, it was so brief. It was, I, I think I'm, a couple of remarks I made and he re returned a, a suitable line. I can't remember. He was being chased through the studios and he happened to be in the Grove Family studio. That's right, yeah. That was how quick it was. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah I mean, there are 
people who are, who have I met in the past, and or very early on in my career. <clears throat> Do you remember um, Donald Wolfitt? Oh yeah. Sir Donald Wolfitt. Mm -hmm. um, Evelyn Lay. Yeah. Pat Kirkwood. Well, I did pantomime with them in 1950. <laughs> yeah, it must have been Peter Pan. 49, 50, yeah. something like that. Was yes, Peter Pan at the Scarlet Theatre. And now they, they were, even as I was a very small child, I was aware of their presence and their aura because they were terribly theatrical. And Evelyn Lay with Boulay was terribly, terribly theatrical. And I... I remember thinking <laughs> I'm going to be famous in, like, like you are. And uh, I can remember sitting on Pat Kirkwood's knee, crying my eyes out on the last night of the pantomime. But then I do that to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Who were you playing in that? I was playing Michael. Okay. Yeah. And I flew, uh, which was interesting. The old Corby wires came out. Yeah, the Corby wires. Very good, Corby. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I used to uh, <laughs> go through the mill because if I didn't behave myself, they would just pull a bit harder on me and I, <laughs> I, I couldn't make ground contact. <laughs> then they'd go off and have a break. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. So what was Donald Wolfick? Because he's a um, you know, Captain wonderful Hook. actor. Yeah? And did he double up as well as Mr Darling or, or just, just... No, 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 he didn't. Okay. Richard Vernon played. Oh, oh OK. Oh, fantastic. Oh, great good cast, casting, yeah. yeah. Fabulous. And Sean Barrett. Yeah, okay. Played John. Okay. Christopher Beanie played someone called uh, Michael. Michael. <laughs> Michael yeah. No, Donald Wolfitt was one of those guys, an actor manager, and, and he was uh, a tour de force who was forced to tour, they said of him. He had to sort of like step around the country doing Shakespeare yes. in real or something. A Brian but, Blessed, a modern Brian Blessed. Yeah, absolutely right, yeah, yeah, larger than life character, but yes. uh, yeah, one of yes. those wonderful actors. Okay, well, so, I mean, as I say, you did a lot of uh, stuff as a child, you went to drama school, and when you came out of, of RADA, did you find it hard to get back into TV, or, or was it a struggle? Uh, I never made it my goal. Um, or acting in general, I should well, say. Well, acti acting yeah. in general, yeah. yes. It was, it was tricky, because if you disappear, they think you're gone. Um, but uh, they, start, they started to come in uh, bit by bit. I was, what, 17, 18 when I came out of RADA. Mm. Um, and I did a few, a few things, ironically enough, uh, I did it with uh, Dave... David, 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 Gray, I think. A thing called Outbreak of Murder. Okay. And that was a serialised, um, obviously a murder series. Uh, David, David Griffin. Okay, yeah. And um, that, that got me noticed f f on a few other things. Um, trouble, the trouble is with, with television and recording is that when you, when you work, and you don't know when it's going out, you've forgotten about it. So six months later, you think, oh, I did that six months ago. And because you've not been on television for six months, people think you're dead. <laughs> or he doesn't work anymore, or he's getting fussy or something like that. You know, or this bloke actually wants pain. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody cheek. But, um, no, uh, I, I, I have to say that it, Coincidentally, it worked. I, le I left the business, as, and my daughter will be aware of this. Uh, I, I left the business to be with the family and be at home. And uh, the, the acting business, I was aged 19, something like that. Um, I gave all the business up, and uh, I've got to get this in the right context. Now, I wasn't going to work anymore and uh, phone my agent. This is uh, condensing it phoned my agent and said, I'm not, I'm not going to act anymore. Send all my paraphernalia back and, you know, uh, don't represent me anymore. And she said, no, 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 why not? Let's come and, come and talk about it. So eventually I was persuaded to go up to London to see her. And we're sitting talking about, you know, the why and the wherefores, why I should give up the business and why I shouldn't, you know, have faith and whatever. We'll get you some work, get you restarted. It's restarting the engine again if you go missing. And... Uh, as we were talking, the phone actually rang in, in our presence, in, in front of us. She said, excuse me, and she said, oh, she said, oh, yes, hello. Oh, he's here now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
So I said, why, why? She said, shh, shh, shh. So she said, yes, okay, fine, I'll do that. She said, that was it, put the phone down. She said, that, uh, that was a company called London Weekend Television. They'd seen something you'd done a million years ago. And they said, it's a part of a, a chauffeur in the thing called, uh, not a chauffeur, uh, a butler, F footman, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> One of those three, I played all three. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> would I, would I uh, consider going to see them because they were casting it, you know, pretty close. So I said, no, 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 no. So she said, look, here's a fiver or whatever it was in those days. She said, get a taxi, go and see them. I went to see them and I did nine, f 18, how many, Rick? <laughs> I don't know the figure. Chris's son, Rick, my in the audience here. Yeah. I can't remember, I can't remember, quite a few. He knows more about me than I do. <laughs> I didn't know that one. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it, it, the, all I'm underlining is it's right place, right time. But you've got to be able to do it. And I was issued with one contract mm. for the first engagement. And then uh, upstairs, downstairs, we used to take a fortnight to do one show. Whereas now you can do fourteen hundred shows in one one week. I mean, it's just the pressure is enormous. <coughs> but uh, we had no idea until we started running. You know, and thought this has got potential. Gordon Jackson was always, oh, it's going to be a bunny one this one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it was sold around eighty countries. Took it for its for its period in time. Yes, it was thirty one countries around the world. Mm. I don't know how many languages and all the rest of it. And yes, you do get paid every time it shows. Hooray! But a very small amount, a meagre amount. But I wish I could say, you know, you could dine out on it, but you can't. Is it all political at the moment? I don't want to... But it's still a, it's still a, a, a popular show. It's still shown, isn't it? Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I dare I say at the moment in my retirement, uh, I'm, I'm watching it again. Hmm. And there's stuff in there that I don't even remember at all yeah it's fabulous but it still stands up as a period piece of drama yeah yeah i think i will say it's the, it's the show that downton abbey should have been really because it's it's so far superior to downton abbey in every every department acting writing <laughs> direction everything but um you know uh, I can't really comment, except... Uh, Just say yes, it uh, is. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there seem to be an awful lot of lardies in it. Lardy dog? Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it sticks to what, it, what actually happened. It was, it was that situation where, where the staff were downstairs and the, and the tops were upstairs, and, and they only briefly met. It was Gordon Jackson, really was the intermediary, whereas in Downton, they're in each other's rooms all the time. That yes. wouldn't happen like yes. that. that was, yes. That's not factually correct. So uh, I, always, I always hope that one, one day Julian Fellows would call you in as a sort of a, a, a nice cameo role to be in Downton, to sort of like link the two and, and show the new guys how it's done. But um, yeah. Yeah, that could happen. Well, it was, it was Thora that said to me, um, I'll get you into some, some wine. Because mm. we, we worked together, Thora and I, I adored her. She was, she was fabulous in every way. And what she didn't know about acting was not worth knowing more. And uh, I was offered the part, I didn't even audition for it, I was just offered, I, I think Thora had a, because it was new to her. In loving, I'm talking about In, Lo in Loving Memory. Um, and the connection between in loving memory working together and uh, summer wine and she says i'll get you i'll get you into that love she said i can see the scene now she said i'm walking down the street and you're coming towards me like and um she said i want to do a double take as you go past and say don't i know him <laughs> 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 but, and it never did get to that but i was still waiting for it but she was she was fabulous what she didn't know about the business but um, Lemon was a funny one because you did a, a, a one-off show with Marjorie Rhodes and Edward Chapman, didn't you? Was, uh, before the series came along, maybe ten years before. You look at me like I'm talking nonsense. You did, honestly. <laughs> There's, there was a one-off show written by Dick Tra uh, Staples, who did the, the series, Sharples rather, and um, uh, in 1969. Oh, I you were involving me with it. No, you were in it too. You, you were no, playing. You, yes, you were. You played. You played <laughs> Billy in it. And then you'll call, you call back ten years later to do the series with, with different people. <laughs> you, 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 you really were. You really were. Don't, but, don't argue. No. <laughs> 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 
Marjorie Rose was was recast uh, with Thora Heard, and uh, and in episode one, the character that Edward Chapman played in the '69 was played by Freddie Jones. And Freddie Jones, spoiler alert here, was, I know Freddie Jones was killed was off in episode one of the series, and then you went on for another five, six years of it. But, uh, but I don't remember yeah. the pilot one. Yeah, you did with okay. Edward Chapman. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, playing the same character, pre upstairs, downstairs, even. Good grief. <laughs> well, I'll go to the foot of our stairs. <laughs> OK, well, we'll, we'll talk about, about, about Thor Her, because you're right, she's she a consummate actress in every way, but um, uh, one of the criticisms that uh, is levelled at um, ITV situation comedy is that, unlike the BBC, they've got that extra four minutes on BBC that, to have a bit of heart, a bit of, you know, uh, soul to it. Whereas in Love and Memory, there really is, isn't there? You, you love those characters and, and your relationship between her oh, yeah. and Thor and self. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, these horses for courses. I mean, we, we used to socialise, not, not a lot, but, I mean, I've been uh, to, her, to Thora's house in the grounds of her daughter... Um, Jeanette Scott. Jeanette Scott. Yeah. I was trying to think of her married name. Rademacher. And um, we, we celebrated three or, three or four uh, New Year's Eves. In through the in, out, in through the front door, out through the back door. Hmm. Uh, we're sort of very old tradition of doing it, but uh, you get to know Thora, and she knows you, and she she used to, uh, to say to my wife, "Oh, now a little love, a little treasure. What are you doing today? Like, let's go shopping." Um, and they used to wonder. Well, she just prompted another thought, <laughs> but they used to go off shopping. My wife and, <clears throat> and Thora. Or we used to give them lifts home to London and they'd be sitting in the back eating uh, chocolate-covered raisins. And <laughs> you'd, you'd get home and there's chocolate everywhere. <laughs> but um, you, could say, you could say more or less anything you like and I, I used to switch off. Mm. I thought, Thora, we've heard this. Oh. <laughs> but um, occasionally, um, probably not as much as she'd like to, but... Uh, she used to give me a tip. And in acting, my rules, these are, less is more. I mean, it's a, it's a well-known saying, but less is more. And uh, there was one particular episode where, not with Thora, but with Gordon Jackson, uh, in the, the one about me coming back with Shell Shock. Mm. And um, I was getting quite emotional to do that, and uh, it was it was affecting me as well. And Gordon just took me to one side, and he said, "Less is more. Just do it plain. Just tell the story. Let them draw the pictures." Mm. And uh, it seems to have worked. That episode of Upstairs Downstairs, I'm, uh, you know, it's I've said this to you before, and it's not it's not nonsense. It's not me trying to be nice or anything I mean that piece of acting in that episode of when you come back from the Great War with that shell shock situation it is one of the finest bits of TV acting I've ever seen it is absolutely impeccable well, very nice it really is it's amazing because um, it gets me now I'm, I'm thinking about it it's it's so emotional and so true it's lovely yeah and you, one can see a connection but yes I mean it uh, I, I look at it now as a viewer and I think Hey, he's, he's not bad, that lad. <laughs> <laughs> you got away with that one, I think. Yeah. Got away with that. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's an amazing, amazing show. And, and having said that, because I'm, I think we, we first met, I mean, I've known your son, Rick, for a long, long time, but I think... I've, oh, I've known him for longer. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> for, for, far, for far too long. And my but. lovely daughter and her husband, <laughs> who, whose name I forget. <laughs> But I think I, I first saw you on stage. I'm talking about uh, uh, who I think you know is a brilliant, brilliant television actor. You can also become a, a good turn uh, in, and do pantomime. I saw you do pantomime with Tim Brooke Taylor and uh, and Rod Hullenemu. Oh um, God! In, a, in about 1998, I think 97, 98. Oh, God. Um, but but you can do that. You can you can do the shtick with the kids, and you can do all the sort of chucking the sweets and stuff. And so you can, yeah. So the, the thing the thing about I don't have a set routine. A lot of uh, Pantomime characters have a set routine. Hey, lovey, and you know that. I've always done that. That works for me. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't have a set routine. Uh, I'm being an actor. I need to be told a, a sketch uh, works a certain way as well. You can hone them over, but I mean, uh, the, the the biggest help was Roy Hudd. 
I was directing um, Christopher Timothy and John Chalice in uh, a pantomime. I forget which one. Radio. Yeah, what was it on? What was the panto? Um, Dick oh, yes, because he played the rat. Go on, Rich, do you want to take over? It's, it's a lot easier. Go on. Okay. But, uh, I've forgotten what I was going to say now. About Roy. Oh, about Roy. We, we had a terrible script mm. written for actors. OK. Um, as a, uh, it was, no, sorry, it was written for... It, it, normally, it says, when it, you turn a page over in a script, it says, um, punchline. Well, whereas in a pro script, for people who know what they're doing in Panto, it just says, sketch. You think, what? <laughs> <laughs> there's a four-minute sketch on there, and there's just one page, and it says, sketch. Number of sounds or whatever. But you can, you can learn various things. There's loads of old gags about... Uh, I say, I say, I say, why is, why is 12 midnight like the roof of a house? I don't know, why is 12 midnight like the roof of a house? Slate. It's <laughs> 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 a better reaction than usually. <laughs> it's never gone that way. <laughs> Do you know you're only two steps away from an idiot? Now you're three. <laughs> and, but then, then you became uh, uh, almost resident comedian at the, in Windsor, didn't you, with Michael Cheval Martin uh, for several seasons? Yes, dear Michael. Yes, it, uh, he, 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 Michael Cheval Martin. Uh, did a lot of, um, with, what's the name, the, the, the one-fingered uh, Irishman? Dave Allen. Dave Allen, yeah. Did, did a lot of Dave Allen sketches. And you, the, the trouble is, if you start to do that, in my opinion, you become known as, oh, that sketch actor. I like to be known as, I mean, I, it took me ages to, to get the, uh, my teeth into, into a show uh, and become an act as against Christopher Beanie, putting on a different garb. And uh, there, was, there was one where, uh, it was, this was for Thames Television, uh, a whodunit, mm -hmm. where I put cheek jowls in, smarmed the hair down, changed myself completely. And I went to meet my mother-in-law, father-in-law and wife at reception. And I thought, they've seen me, but they haven't recognized me. So I went straight up to them and I said, can I help you? <laughs> Can I show you the way to go? <laughs> and they didn't, still didn't know it was me. <laughs> Not until I took them to their seats. Especially say seats. But, um, <laughs> so that's hiding behind the facade. But uh, no, there are, there are various things. I love, I love the old plate, plate gag. Mm, mm. Whatever you do, don't break the plate. No, I won't. I told you, don't break the plate, break the plate. Tossing it. Here, catch this. <laughs> but I saw you and Michael a few times, and you got to the point when it was, it was a true double act. You, you, you instinctively knew what the other one was going to do on stage. Oh, yes, you? You, start, you start to uh, instinctively know. You, it's, uh, it's quite... What you mustn't do, and, uh, and it's always danger when you do it, is you get involved internally in a, in a personal gag on stage. It's going funny, forget the audience. Yeah. If you lose them, you, pff, you lost it. It's quite strange. I always remember one little anecdote. Is there, I was doing a uh, bedroom farce. <laughs> With, oh, yes. With um, Michael Denison and Dulcie Gray. Remember them? Yeah. And... Uh, in bedroom farce, they had to have uh, there were three three bedroom sets, like looking down a tunnel into a bedroom, 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 and the lights went on accordingly to where the action was taking place. And I'd done my bit, <clears throat> and I was in darkness, apart from just you know incidental lighting. And um, Michael Dennis and Dulcie Gray came in, and they he'd got some fish and chips, and she sat on the bed starting to undress and all the rest of it. And he was... And she said, oh, do be careful, darling, you will get shit all over the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> and I could not... I was convulsed. <laughs> On the other side of the set, in the semi-darkness, and this... <laughs> You've not heard that one before. It's no. absolutely true. And the same, the same set again, we were at the Chichester Theatre 
which is in the round. You can go to all the... And I said to the director, I said, there's no tabs on this show. Ta curtain. And uh, there's no curtain on this show, so I'll get into bed uh, ready before the house comes in. Then they can open the doors and the house can come in and the audience can get ready to see the show. But she said, how can, how can you last all that long? You're not going to get up during the interval. I've seen it done before. This is why I pinched the idea. Um, and what happens if you need the loo? He said, no, I'll, I'll be all right. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I was reading a newspaper at one point and then no one came in, so I thought, I'll have a sleep. <laughs> and, I, and I did. And the house started coming in, and it was right, we're now opening the door, the doors are all open, and in they come. And there were two, two old, old elderly ladies. Oh, look, this is someone having a kip. Let's come back later. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, no, it's all right. You, please sit down. Oh, he's in! <laughs> Are you tired, love? We had this long conversation. And I thought, why don't you shut up? We'll wait for you. I mean, because fast acting, you also did some very coony stuff. You did um, uh, Caught in the Net and also the, the prequel, um, Run for Your Wife, didn't you? Run for Your Wife. Which, which I mean, that's, that's a difficult place to do, isn't it? I mean, it's lots of entrances, it's exits. It's physical, yes, yeah. it's yeah. physical. Um, you, 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 I don't know, you, you just get into gear and it, and it works. And this is where I was saying earlier that if it goes well and you're enjoying it, I mean, I can remember with uh, Russ Abbott uh, and oh, who played the dad? Was it Eric Sykes on your, or Henry McGee? Was it Henry McGee? Yeah. Henry McGee. That was the tour, wasn't it? That Brighton, wasn't it, Rick? We saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you saw it with me, in it? Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. I and you still you... enjoyed it? Chris, I, I come to you wherever you are. And when you're in the world, I come and see you, Chris. You know that. But, uh, yes, it was great, yeah. But uh, we, we were, there's, a, there's a bit in it, you remember, where we get rolled up in a rug together. Mm. And we're rolling over and we're laughing and you could hear a couple of women on the front road laying eggs. <laughs> and he said, look at that, it's like music to your ears. And it is. It's, it's when, you, when you get like that... The trouble is that when you're waiting for a laugh and you get it, don't run over it. Uh, this sounds terribly technical. But you can, you can trample all over laughs and kill it stone dead. Then you think, oh, well, that didn't go so well tonight. And second house tonight, I'll play it differently. And that's wrong. You've got to... And it's, it's, it's also like people coming to see the show as well. Yeah. Is that uh, if you're... Uh, if you're playing to two people, um, they're going to get the same... They should get the same... The way they should and would get the same performance as a full house. Mm, mm. But it doesn't actually work that way because when I told you earlier about the, the 32 people I entertained uh, on this 3,000-seater, they didn't get the same show. We knocked off half an hour. Oh, OK. But they, they can't. There's no response. There's no, no, there's exactly. no, there's no yeah, feeling. Yeah, yeah. But it's... Uh, if I'm asked a question and you weren't going to ask it, so I'll ask it anyway. You ask it yourself. But, <laughs> but you can't beat stage. I mean, this is a live audience. And you, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them are live anyway, I think. Yeah. But uh, you can't beat live feedback. Mm. I mean, we when when we did uh, the rag trade and uh, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I did the rag remake of the rag trade. See, a guy was going to talk about that. That, that was. My, my era of the 70s, which, unbeknown to me at the time, was obviously a, 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 a follow-on from the 60s version when you played the Reg Varney character, didn't you? Yeah. Far better, in my opinion. Tony, totally, thank Yeah. That, that's where I was spotted for um, in, in Loving Memory. Oh, OK, yeah. Because yeah. I said to the director once, I said, what on earth made you choose me? He said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie Baxter. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, I, you were spotted in, in standing in the background. You were always standing... In the background room, <laughs> and he said, "You know, when interviews are on on television nowadays, they're talking to someone in front of house, and something going on up there. There's two people fighting or something, <laughs> and you haven't got a clue what these people were saying, and that. And he said, we noticed you doing that.' And he said, we like your characterisation.' I said, "I was just being me." He said, "Exactly," <laughs> and that's where um, Billy came from. Yeah. But 
What was the question before that? No, just about about the, the rag trade and, and, and working with a great, another great fast actor, Peter Jones, in that. Was, um, what was he like to... Oh, good. He's hysterical. He was... He used to play up the fact that he was a bit absent-minded. And I can't talk. <laughs> but, uh, no, they were, they, were, they were fabulous people. You, you do get one or two um, lardies. Mm-hmm. Which I won't mention now. Okay. <laughs> oh, go on. It's okay. But no, but there, there, are, there, are, there are various people you think of fondly. I mean, I work with um, Dirk Bogard, James Robinson Justice. But these, you see, to my son, he knows them because of his interest in the business anyway. But normally, someone his age wouldn't know those people, and that's why you move on. You see, I mean, I I wouldn't know half the cast of of any of the soaps that are on. <laughs> Nor would I, but that's you know, <laughs> because 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 Dirt Bogart's better. But that that was that was Doctor in Distress, wasn't it? One of the Doctor. Comments. Yes, Doctor yeah. Doctor yeah. in Distress. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they, it's funny how you get these these flashback memories. But was, there was a time in the sixties. I mean, you know, you, you're an actor. If I look at archive television now, if you're billed, I know I'm going to get a good performance because you always be it, be it a lead or support. You always are good at what you do. But you were everywhere. You did. Uh, the Playmakers and Dixon Dot Green and oh, God, gee, uh, yeah. rivals of Sherlock Holmes and all and, and series after series after series you were tw you were you were brought in so you know you're obviously doing something right. Or, I were, you, or were you cheap? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much. I, <laughs> I don't come here to get insulted. Where do you normally go? Hey. <laughs> Okay, we're talking about other 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 fast actors and other good actors. We mentioned the, uh, the Michael Sheville Martin pantomime uh, 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 double act. You also worked with Eric Sykes uh, oh. on, on that on that uh, run too, and that was amazing, wasn't it? Eric was you know, just magic. I did cross his path once, not on purpose. I didn't know I'd made the mistake, and this is how people treat their their uh, their business. Eric was so precise, everything was rehearsed. Every single laugh, every titter, every ad-lib, everything was rehearsed. There was no such thing as a free-running scene. Mm. But um, there was one scene where he, uh, he actually wrote it in for me. And this is where you're gonna play the plank. He's got a plank of scaffolding board and we're both playing it. And it, 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 obviously the pit is covering for us. And it's like the piano, and it's off the end of the board. <laughs> well, and nothing was said at all. It was just like the silent movie day. And I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me. And, and it's not playing the right note. So, oh, this is Eric. Oh, just pushes it aside, picks the plank up, moves it two inches up there. Bing! <laughs> <laughs> And he said, I'm going to dedicate that to you. He said, you can use that whenever you want to. <laughs> but on the other scale, as I really crossed him, I, I came in too fast with a line and killed his tagline. Completely dead. And he wasn't at all pleased. But uh, apart from that, he was, he was a great guy. Yeah. There was a time when he, when he became uh, too unwell to, to do it live. He, he filmed a, a sequence, didn't he, uh, for one pantomime season? Oh, yes. When you and Michael were, were there in the flesh and, and Eric was... Uh, was yes. Was, was, he, uh, was he the mirror? Yeah, that's right, the genie of the, of the mirror or something, yeah. yeah. And he just came in and did a bit of shtick. That's right, yes, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he was... No, he was just a legend. Mm, mm. Now, there, you know, people that I, I do get a kick out of working, not only meeting them, but working with them as well. yeah. yeah. And there have been lots of them. Well, I was going to mention one. I know you had a, a bit of a, uh, an experience with Frankie Howard on 321, didn't you? Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Keep it clean, Oh, Chris. no! Yeah, get yourself coffee! <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. Was, um, Mr Howard, we're all aware of his persuasion. Or are we not? <laughs> right. Um, we were doing three, two, one with Ted Rogers, and we'd been rehearsing all day. And Debbie, Deborah Watling, the actress, said, uh, "Where are you going tonight?" For we were at the Queen's Hotel in Leeds, 
where are you going tonight? And I said, oh, I fancy the Italian on the head row or something like that. She said, can we, you know, have supper? So I said, yeah, all right, okay. And <laughs> met, met Frankie Howard on the way out. And he, he was cottaging at the time. <laughs> <laughs> In the foyer of the Queen's Hotel. <laughs> And I said, no, it's all right, Frankie, we're just off uh, myself and Deborah. Oh, oh, Deborah, oh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> went up there, had most of the meal, and uh, Frankie and, and this cottage young boy came in. And obviously they're very much in, in love with each other, or they were holding hands. <laughs> I think they were holding hands. <laughs> But uh, anyway, he um, said, can we join you? Said, oh, cool, we've nearly, <laughs> we've nearly finished. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's quite sad, this story, because w w he, he groped me. And I'm sitting there being groped. And I said, I said to Deborah, who was on my side, I said, he's groping me. <laughs> and she said, you go, I'll stay here. So, and there was this, the, the, boy, the other boyfriend had gone by this time. He had enough or not enough. <laughs> but um, so there was Deborah and Frankie alone in this restaurant. And I went back to the hotel, thought, I'll have a, I'll have a bath. I ran myself a bath, got the script out dutifully, soaked it in the bath. It still didn't make any difference. <laughs> but uh, there was a knock at the door. Hello, who is it? It's me, Frankie. Chris, let me go through the lines with you. I'm stark naked. Just about to get into a bath. So I said, no, 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 Frankie, no. See you tomorrow. Cheers, mate. Bang, 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 bang. And it went on and on and on. So I, I rang up the, the, the hotel manager and I said, I think Mr. F uh, Mr. Howard is lost. He's knocking at my door and I think he's, he's on the floor, wrong floor. Yeah. All right, Mr. Beanie, I'll look after it. He looked after it and it went quiet. Went to the studio the next day to record the necessary, it was all about the Foreign Legion. And uh, Frankie had uh, not turned up. So we thought, well, what are we going to do? Well, we'll wait another hour because we got the audience in, 500 in the audience just sitting there. And uh, Frankie turned up in his dressing room in a hell of a state. He was in an awful state. I mean, just nerves, shot to pieces. He was inebriated. Uh, anyway, it couldn't possibly work at all, and the whole thing was cancelled. We all recorded what we could do and cancelled his show in it, so the whole thing was cancelled anyway. And then a few years later, I happened to be at the TV studios, and one of the guys who was on the show, the Frankie Howe show, said, Of course, you know what happened, don't you? I said, No, do tell. He said, I'm telling tails out of the school here. He said, no, do tell. He said, uh, oh, he was picked up by the police for exposing himself on lead station. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that it was Frankie Howard, the police shut it up. He spent the night in the cell trying to sober him up and send him to us in the next day. This is where he couldn't do it. Now, there's things like that you don't know about. I mean, I'm not telling tales out because that actually happened. Well, it actually happened as far as I have information from people I could rely on. Mm. But uh, it, it, it's but it's sad. That, it's the sadness of the clown, isn't it? It's yes, the, yes. The there were, Charlie Drake was another one. Yeah, yeah. And Hancock, of course. And, and Hancock. Yeah. Listen, Chris, we're coming near the end of this, and I've really enjoyed myself, and I've got lots more questions. But I need to go to the audience. Are there any questions from the house, please? I can shield my eyes. Seventeen and six. What, your hand what, what was it like working with a cast of um, upstairs downstairs? Do you want particular preference about? <clears throat> yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, my greatest ally was Gordon. Um, he he was, you know, I told you earlier about less is more. Um, he he was a, he was a fabulous guy a non-warrior, and yet he was always worried about his performance. Do you think it's good enough? And he's asking me. He said, do you, do you think I, I did that right? Or not? And yet, 
sometimes if you, if you get a, another visiting artist and they are paranoid because of the, the high power show, it's like me going into Downton Abbey now. I'd be petrified with who I'm being asked to work with. But um, he, he, like Thor, I heard, he wouldn't stand, uh, he wouldn't tolerate people who couldn't do it. Um, but no, I mean, and Gene Marsh. Oh, the, <laughs> I'll tell you one, one little anecdote. Gene and, and Gordon loved each other. When I say loved each other, they just thought they were great. And we have a great gag time and all the rest of it. And I've been asked this question before. When you were rehearsing practical things like getting food ready, the food was genuine stuff, and as long as you whipped it out and took it home, you know, before he got too old, you'd have a free meal. <laughs> <laughs> but the director said, right, we'll, before we wrap tonight in rehearsal, this is in a rehearsal room in the, off the King's Road, <clears throat> we used to use vegetables that we could cut up and practice. I mean, it's all, who was it uh, said, I can't remember who he was, some famous actor said, I, I can say lines or I can do business, but I can't do both. <laughs> And uh, we were asked to uh, make some sandwiches, some cucumber sandwiches for Lady Marjorie and her guest for tea. And um, it was half past, you know, knocking off time. So, so it was decided, well, well, we'll save the cucumber until tomorrow. So, <clears throat> Mr. Hudson, we're finished. She picked up this cucumber and put it on the plate and Gordon had it and he said, oh, well, Lady Marjorie will be pleased. <laughs> <laughs> bit, bit, no, bit naughty. <laughs> but no one could speak of it. <laughs> did, um, did, did you know, um, how long into the, into the run did you know that this was, this was TV gold and this was going to last a long time? That show? It... Only when they asked us to do a sixth series. Okay. <laughs> That's... The, the penny dropped, then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah. Well, they, <clears throat> they put it all to, and then they came to us individually and said, would you like, you know, you could do a, uh, an Edward and Daisy uh, running the household with the, the, the daughter and the son, um, what's his name? A separate household, I was yeah. going to be head butler. Oh, okay. And then Gordon was going to go down to the seaside with Angela Badley at Hastings, taking Ruby. So lots of spin-off series. Was lots that, of spin-offs. Yeah. Okay. And Gordon said, just a minute, just a minute. He said, I'll be 184, still serving sherry. <laughs> he says, where's the reality in that? So he said, no, forget it. He said, stop it while they want more. And not when they say, oh, not again. Mm -hmm. Which is true. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I know it sounds a bit premature at the moment, but I've had a great life. It's not the epitaph, by the way. This is the, there's, there's, there's more to come, but um... no, it, it has. It's, um, is there anything I would like to have done? Yeah, the same over again. It's a good answer. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah, that's Thank you. We've got time for, for a couple more questions. I mean, everyone, aren't we? So, yes, yeah, yes, gentlemen. Have you got any Yorkshire roots, or are you just such a great? No, it's just uh, the way I'm sitting. <laughs> 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 no. Your Billy character, you know, the, the accent is, is brilliant. That's very kind of you to say that. I've never done an accent before in Loving Memory at all. Um, since then, I've done an American, a very bad American. Uh, but uh, I've had the same compliment paid to me uh, a few times. And uh, no, Thor, I used to say the difference between Lancashire and Yorkshire is quite pronounced, but she said, I wouldn't bother. It's rather like when I did a Doctor Who one-off recording uh, quite recently, you know, about the... the big finish. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, I was asked to do a, a Norfolk accent. Oh, you can't do Norfolk, I used to do a mummerzette. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can mummerzette, you can mummer all around. It makes no difference. Because the audience don't think, that's... that's that's, back, that's the back of Acker Street. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, they were very kind because it did worry me, you know, and, and to keep it going. And the last thing I did, I think badly, <laughs> was to play an American in a thing I did with, oh, who was, who was in it, Rick? Um, uh, Tom, uh, Tom Owen. Tom Owen, yeah. Um, 
Anita Harris. Anita Harris. Oh, no. The bench. The yeah, the, the Shirley Ann. Not the Shirley Ann. Five blue haired ladies yeah. sitting yeah. on a Green Park bench. Yeah. Great title. Yeah. Trips off the Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that one. Um, you didn't miss it. Oh, okay. <laughs> But uh, that was that was only a few years ago, wasn't it? That was quite recent. That was uh, four or five years ago. Yeah. Okay. About, about where uh, where all my trouble started, basically. Because mm. but what happened? It's, it's stupid. I've tried to work it back. I had uh, two bad things in my life. Um, the best thing is sitting over there, my son and my daughter. You didn't mention me, Dad. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <clears throat> this Green Park bench thing. And the set was made out of cat litter glued and stuck on the stage. So it was like walking on thick sandpaper. And we came to do the curtain call at the, right at the very end, and there's a blackout, all join hands, walk on. Turn the lights on, walk on. They turned the lights on slightly late, and I tripped and crashed on my knees, and there was all there was blood everywhere. And someone in the audience says, do it again, I missed it! <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, that was it. And then, 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 of course, I was unfortunate enough, and a lot of people have far worse problems than I do, but I had a, a road crash on the way to record Upstairs Downstairs. And there was a rail strike on that day, so I thought, I've got a motorbike, I'll take a motorbike. And someone decided I shouldn't be on it. And it's one of those things. Still here to tell the tale. But still, still available for, there it is, Christmas Eve, and yeah. still no offers the pantomime. Adverts, voiceovers, we'll take anything. OK. Any more questions out there? Yes, yeah, right at the back. Right at the back. Um, obviously, you've played all these parts in the past, but I'd just like to know what part would you like to have played that you, you never got to play? <laughs> God, yeah. Oh, with the abilities I've got now. Well, no, throughout. throughout. abilities you had then, <laughs> as well as now. Uh, God, dear, now there's a tough question. Uh, I think my 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 comfort zone is in the Charlie Chaplin type of character. The, if you get the downtrodden guy. You get your audience on your side to start with if you play it right. Yeah. Look at tonight. We saw a little bit of that, didn't we? When How you dare you, watch? madam? I've been to cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit of Charlie Chapman, wasn't it? Yes, Walking yes, he was. When you'd been rejected, we were holding the cups of mm. coffee, cups of tea. Mm. You've got the cane. Yes, I think I think that's there's the there's it was identifiable as uh, it's just been pointed out that um, if you're downtrodden and no luck in life, people go ah, and you're halfway there to start with. But um, swashbuckling and. Romantic leads. Who were your heroes as a, as a boy? Did you, did you go and see Errol Flynn or all those sort of people at the, at the films or no? No, 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 not really. No. Thanks, Chris. Okay, um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, but no, you, I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. You never been, you never, never longed to do Shakespeare or anything like that. No, no? funnily enough, and I, I mean, I know this is very remiss of me, but uh, I've never done Shakespeare. A lot of people have said I would be good at bottom. Mm -hmm. Stop it. Yeah, we saw that as well, yeah. Um. But um, he's known as a bum actor. But, um, but uh, I, I've never, I've never, I just can't, can't get to grip with it. Uh, I think you'd make a good Andrew Agucheek in Twelfth Night, actually. See you doing that. I have no well, idea. One of, one of the great Shakespeare think. sort of clown parts. I think you'd be fantastic. Really? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I did enjoy, although I don't know how good it was, but I did, uh, playing little chap in uh, Stop the World I Want to Get Off. Because mm -hmm. that led me a certain amount of freedom within the confines of getting it right. Because I had Dougie Squires and the young generation who were, God, it was like working with a troop of squadron people. <laughs> they, they get it right. Mm -hmm. And the, the anecdote to that one is um, there, there are 16 songs to learn. And one of them was uh, mumbo jumbo rhubarb rhubarb tickety boobarb yap 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 mumbo jumbo red white and blue barb 
poor, poor Britannia's on the back. Da 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 da. Then next chorus, next chorus, next chorus. And I said, I can't learn it. It's all Jabberwocky type talking. So they said, it's all right. We'll have idiot cards in very large on the side of the stage. So as you look in the wing over there, as you look in the wing over there. There's your, there's your lyrics. Got them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. I was giving kittens, but no one noticed. <laughs> and people don't. They think that once you walk on stage, you are in command. Yeah. And if you if you say a complete muck up of of, of everything you do, they don't know. Unless you get the writer in, mm. but it's, it's quite extraordinary. I, I, uh, my my wife was doing Pebble Mill at one, and uh, she sang completely the wrong word. You know, with the microphone, nah, nah, nah. and the director saying, "Where are we? Where are we?" <laughs> completely the wrong song <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to the music they'd already rehearsed. <laughs> But, hey, that's live. And I suppose on stage, if you've got someone good opposite as well, you, you can sort of get through it. As oh, a banter off it, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to mention when you did Bowen Bowen, but that was Rodney Bewes, wasn't it? So maybe that's not the best example. But um... No, that was Panto. Oh, was it Panto? Who did you do Bowen Bowen? Bowen Joe, he's dead now. You bury, this way you bury your own son. Um, and is a sir. Hang on. Rick? No, I, thought was, I thought it was Rodney Bewes did Bowen Bowen. No. No, wasn't it? Okay. Not the one I did. No. I didn't see it, you did it either, but that was no, a no. while ago. But that, again, that, that's, that's a, a really fast, frantic piece to get through, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I can't remember how many fasts I've done. You did a, 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 you did a Bill Kenwright tour in Move Over Mrs. Markham, didn't you? Oh, God, I, yeah, I did. Yeah, with Liz Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> Were you there for that show? Okay, yeah. All right, yeah. Tumbleweeds. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's have one more question because we're running out of time and I'm going to get thrown off stage in a second. So one last question and we'll wrap it up. Any more? No? Someone's crawling out. Looks like that's, that's, that's enough. Okay, go on. No? Do I take, do I take checks? Yes. <laughs> Credit card, luncheon vouchers. Yeah. Okay, well, look, I've got to please thank Christopher Beanie. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded live in front of an audience at the Museum of Comedy, Bloomsbury, London. Museumofcomedy.com. Thank you very much. And I'd, I'd just like to say I think you're the, the best audience I've had today. <laughs>